and happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Christmaka. Any OC fans out there? Maybe? Yes? No? Well, whatever it is that you're celebrating, I hope that you're having a wonderful week so far. And I am pleased that you're here listening to another interview on my show. Even with all the craziness going on, I hope this is a part of your self-love, your self-care practice of giving yourself the gift of listening to exceptional insight from wonderful people around the world. And today's guest is no exception to the exceptional. It is Tia Kelly. Tia, she's a professionally trained women's life coach, a girl's EOS leadership facilitator, and the co-founder of an international nonprofit called Global Sorority, which we definitely get into today. She has traveled, lived, and worked in many countries, including her most recent work centered around girls' leadership and self-development and the shooting of a documentary film about their lives. In the past couple of years, she's worked in India, South Africa, Uganda, Lebanon, Mexico, and Vietnam. She's known in the coaching world for her transformational work with women, empowering them to shine their light and contribute their unique gifts and voices to make the world a better place while creating balance, sustainability, and abundance in their own lives. Tia lives in Southern California with her husband and two dogs. She continues to share the hearts and voices of other dynamic women creating epic lives and the businesses in her podcast, The Epic Oracle. You can connect with Tia via her blog at TiaKelly.com, on Twitter at TiaKelly, and on Facebook at Tia Kelly Coaching. Today's interview is packed with insight about helping women around the world and how she does the world so much good by going to different countries and um, connecting with younger girls and meeting older women and helping them really step into their power, their purpose, and reconnect with their voices. So I'm excited for that interview today. We also have a little goodie. She is giving out the Epic Manifesto, one of her awesome uh, programs to cultivating your own manifesto for free just to my audience. So you'll hear more about that in the interview today. You can also sign up for that free thing, that free awesome thing, by going to the show notes for this uh, episode 132. And before we head on over, here's the review of the week. This comes from Samantha underscore W and she says life changed with five stars. I can't say how thankful I am that I stumbled upon Maddie's podcast about eight months ago. I recommend them to all my girlfriends and I know that I am one of many who have been inspired and changed through her encouragement and wisdom. I wish I could give her podcast 10 stars. Thank you, Maddie, for all that you do and for really transforming how I see myself, God, and others. Thank you, Samantha, from the bottom of my heart for those kind words and for all 10 stars. They mean the world to me. Thank you so much to everyone who checks out the show enjoys it and lets me know about it because you're making a difference for me and for the podcast's reach. So thank you all of you who support the show by letting friends know about it, leaving reviews, whatever you see fit. Um, That's almost it for announcements, but I do want to also remind you guys that um, more than this is coming up next month, the 14th and 15th. If you haven't grabbed your ticket yet to my in-person live event in Boulder, Colorado, where you can discover how to break limiting beliefs and live for something bigger, you can do that at morethanthisevent.com. Also, by going to the show notes to this episode, I will have a link there as well. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be an intimate experience, and I'm excited to lead and guide so many of you through the empowering lessons of living for something more than trivial concerns, anxiety, perfectionism, and those things things that often grab a hold of so many of us. So if you're ready to step into your power, feel more confident and boost your self-love, come on down to Boulder, Colorado, or come on up or come sideways, wherever you may be coming from. I look forward to meeting you there and guiding you through that wonderful experience that I have planned for you. I am hoping everyone's having a wonderful holiday and I can't wait for this episode. So let's go ahead and head on over. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. 
If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. Hey everyone, welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. I'm here with Tia Kelly, who has so much to offer in the world, so much to offer. I'm blown away by her adventures, her giving heart, her spirit, her willingness to help women from all across the world, which I think is such a powerful, beautiful thing, not just online in her online coaching and business, but in person by traveling and really helping women up-level their lives and listening to them, which I think is such a beautiful thing to be doing. So thank you, Tia Kelly, so much for coming on to the podcast. How are you? Hi, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Good. So the first thing we do on the show, as in most shows, is to talk a little bit about your about your background and story. So if you don't mind, I would love to hear how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, I kind of, it started with a very adventurous start to life and kept moving with that theme. I was born in India. Uh, my parents were huge world travelers and uh, I was born in the middle of the night, no electricity, no running water, no midwife. She didn't show up. So my dad delivered me and, uh, it was, it was an adventurous start <laughs> and I just kept rolling with it. So I'm a huge traveler as well and have lived in lots of different countries all over the world. And, uh, I got to see firsthand, you know, the lives of women from lots of different perspectives, lots of different cultures. Um, and I just feel like I really got to understand women on a deep, level. I didn't have um, a conventional educational upbringing. My parents homeschooled us a lot because we were traveling so much. And so I didn't really deal with a lot of competition and a lot of, I don't know, the things that women bump up against each other that really don't allow us to deeply connect. I didn't get to experience that. And I was actually in my probably late 20s, yeah, early thirties, um, late twenties, uh, when I was having a conversation with another coaching girlfriend of mine and we were doing work with teen girls in another country. And she brought up that whole idea of, um, women not coming together in community and sisterhood like they could because of all the competition. And I was like, really though, do women really feel competitive to one another? And that kind of stops them from connecting. <laughs> she kind of looked at me like I had two heads and it was like, yeah, what? And I'm like, no, really, I've never experienced that. Um, and so that was kind of my first wake up call to the fact that my um, experience with girls and women growing up had been very different. So, then, oh, keep going, keep going. Nope, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so you think that's really benefited you to not have that insight of what that's, that side is like? Well, I understand it now a lot more because I've been coaching women for a, a long time and uh, and you really see it starting and coming out with teen girls who I work with a lot as well. So I do understand it. But yes, from a personal perspective, it really took me stepping into somebody else's shoes to understand what was going on because I didn't really experience it for myself. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So you and and yeah, this... I feel like it helps. I feel like it, it helps me to connect with women. There's not a lot of crap between me and other women. There just never is. I don't have conflict with women. I don't, I just don't go there and I don't see it and I choose not to. And so maybe they're not feeling the same way, but I'm certainly entering the relationship with that energetic, you know, energy, energy and energetic exchange that is void of competition and comparing and those kinds of things. So. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's fantastic. I think that's beautiful. It's, it reminds me of people who are in relationships and if the trust of a relationship is somehow spoiled or tainted, it's harder for other relationships to be as open and vulnerable because you've, you've been hurt in a certain way from a partner. Um, so I think it's really beautiful and awesome that you've been able to have these experiences because you're so trusting. And I know that women, women can like feed off that energy that you have of instant trust and community and sisterhood. And I think that's such a beautiful gift in the world. And since we have so many women who don't start off a relationship just like that, it's needed. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's helpful, especially I think in a coaching relationship to build, and I work with mostly women. So to build that instant kind of rapport and trust and bond um, right away, it's helped me in that regard for sure. Beautiful. So what, what else from there? So you've been, you were traveling, started coaching. Traveling. So, uh, when I was 14, my dad is Irish, my mom's English. So, uh, when I was 14, my dad inherited his huge family farm in the middle of the Irish countryside. And so we uprooted ourselves from the United States and moved to Ireland. I think at that point there was six, six siblings, (laughs) eventually eight, but, um, so six of us, we all moved back to, uh, Ireland and lived on this amazing green rolling picturesque ancient farm, um, for most of my teen years. And that was an interesting experience. They still traveled. We went to North Africa and India and other places from there. But for the majority of that time I was growing up, um, in Ireland. And, uh, yeah, so then I left Ireland and came back to the United States when I was 19 and, and started life. I got married really early. I was 22 when I got married first, had already bought a house and really plugged into the system. Um, I guess given my kind of crazy traveling childhood, I felt like I just wanted to be normal quote unquote, whatever that meant to me at that time, really, I felt kind of growing up that I certainly had missed out on a lot of normal things. Um, and so I kind of jumped with two feet into what normal looked like. <laughs> and, um, and I was really miserably unhappy for a long time being normal and doing and, you know, having and purchasing and being all the ways that I thought I should be or wanted to be or that were normal way to be and kind of forgot my wild soul that grew up on a hippie bus and all those things. So, and forgot about creativity and art and how important that was to me and, and really touching base with nature on a regular basis and traveling. I mean, there was years that went by, um, probably, I don't know, five or six years and I didn't take a vacation. I was working constantly. And, um, yeah, so I got to a point where I was just like, Oh my gosh. You know, I had a real wake up call for myself, bottom of the barrel kind of wake up call and, uh, got divorced, moved cities, um, really just completely took a backpack and just changed my entire life within a very, very short period of time. A couple of months, um, went to coaching school and from there, my life just really, really opened up massively and really changed because I started to listen to my heart and what felt good and what I really needed versus, you know, really focusing more on my limiting beliefs and, you know, what was right in front of me and what was externally put on me and all of those things. Can you tell me what some of the limiting beliefs were that started to come up for you that you were like, ew, that doesn't really resonate with me? Oh, gosh. You know, it was resonating with me because (laughs) my internal, you know, critic was very much my own voice. I really felt like, you know, that those limiting beliefs were true and they were my beliefs. And uh, to break away from that is very difficult. So in the beginning, um, I didn't necessarily believe that they weren't true, but I was willing to do something about them anyway. So my, I will take my lack of formal education as a good example of that. So I had this impression that because I hadn't gone to public school and done all these things that quote unquote normal people had done, that I was so far outside of the box that I wouldn't be able to do any of these things that I wanted to do. Um, and so I limited myself a lot in the kinds of um, career paths that I chose and things like that, that um, 
kind of, I just felt like I didn't know as much as other people or I wasn't as smart or intelligent and really carried that around for a long time simply because I didn't go to public school, which of course, as I grow and learn, you know, it didn't really, <laughs> the, the, uh, the experience and the education that I got was, you know, vast and wide and probably really made me a much rounder, fuller, more intelligent human being, um, than what I would have, you know, done stuck in a little country school somewhere where we lived. So yeah, I think it took a while to unbelieve those things. And going to coaching school, I really had a lot of limiting beliefs about whether I could do that too. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, am I smart enough to do this and all of that? And uh, yeah, I just had to do it anyway, even though I still believed that maybe I wasn't capable. But the drive to want to change my life and to want to do something else was so strong that I just stepped into it with a lot of fear. Yes, I love that. The whole coaching, oh my gosh, this is for me, who's going to listen to me thing. I experienced that big time and I have this, I had this mantra, I still have it, it's not as powerful in my life anymore because I don't need it so much. But Mm -hmm. back then I used to always tell myself, my experiences are enough, my experiences are enough because I didn't go to coaching school so for me, I was like, I don't have a degree. I don't have this or I don't have that. And I just kept telling myself life, those experiences I've had in life, the feelings, the emotions, the fear, the rejection, the pain, that's enough to resonate and coach someone else. So for me, I kept telling myself those experiences, they're enough, they're enough. And that helped me a lot. That helped me big time just to be able to like go after it and have enough trust and faith that what I've experienced in my life, I had the perfect amount of experiences to be able to resonate and relate to other people. Cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice mantra. (laughs) Can I ask you, do you have any limiting beliefs that are coming up for you right now that you're working through? Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) yeah, I think they, I think they're constantly coming up because I'm constantly pushing myself. Um, to do things that are scary and I haven't done before. And, you know, so I kind of face them all the time. And I think a big one that I had carried around for a long time was that I couldn't be a mother and change the world. I was really traveling a lot um, for my organization, Global Sorority, working with girls. And so and my coaching business, and I don't know, I have a lot going on, and I just was like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine the kind of mom that I would be would be very focused and committed and kind of you know, on this one individual, and I can't imagine being able to do all the things that I do um, and be a mom. And other people didn't seem to feel that way or see that at all, um, but I really carried that around for a long time, so I'm 40. And, um, just now pregnant for the first time, it's still early. So who knows where this is going, but, um, finally made that decision, but it was a long time in coming. And I feel like pushing it off as long as I did had a lot to do with limiting beliefs about what I would still be able to do and be a mom at the same time. Wow. So you're telling me that you, you, this is amazing. So you, you, you didn't want to have family or have children because you wanted to keep this lifestyle and you're now going through that experience of combining the two? Well, not quite, but yeah, I mean, Almost. I've, been suffering, I've been suffering a really serious morning sickness. So yeah, I actually, oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it's already affecting my life. So and it is, you know, and it's have to just be really graceful about this and really just slow myself down and be okay with not functioning at full mass. I'm normally like, go, go, go. And I've just been sick 24-7 for <laughs> a good few weeks now. I'm just like, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm, this is already, quote, unquote, affecting my life. And maybe in a way that I feared that it would, you know, like limiting me from doing what I usually do. And to just be able to sit with that and get through it. And yeah, it's an experience. (laughs) Yeah. But yo, it's so cool. And for me, like you're now my new role model because I'm like, because I'm a traveler. I love to travel. And for me, it's, it's, it's fairly new. It's, I was not born in India with no lights. I was, I just now got this travel bug this past year because up until this past year, I was very much, mm, I had these goals that I had to get through and it wasn't really necessarily me, but more of my parents being like, go to college, go to this, you know, and I finally have this sense of freedom. And this year I was like, I'm going to go travel. And that was really, really, really hard for them. But after I did the first 
a big trip, three months around Asia by myself. Now they're loosey goosey. They're like, cool, take care of yourself, be safe. Of course, they're not happy about it, but they mm-hmm. trust me and they're okay with it. And it's a good place for me because I feel confident in traveling. So I'm just now getting started and it's so exciting and I love it. But of course, I think how in the world do you combine this wonderlust with X, Y, Z, all the other things that typically most people have stability with. They stay in one place and they have a family and they have a relationship and they have this and that. So you're amazing. You're doing, you're combining the two and you're breaking that limiting belief of it only looks this way to be a mother. It only looks this way to have your own business. So I am personally very excited to follow along uh, your journey and just watch how all of this unfolds for you with combining the beautiful aspects of what makes you, you. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think that's the key. I think it's just being really open and not having so much set belief system about what things have to be like, you know? And I think that's the key to a lot of people being really happy with their lives as they live in this kind of flow of what feels good and what's working, not holding on steady to all these ideas of what should be. Mm, yes. Like what Tony Robbins says, stop shooting all over yourself. Exactly. It. It's a good one. <laughs> so what, tell us a little bit more about the um, global sorority. What is that? Okay, so when I was in coaching school, um, I met with a young woman who was in my cohort, and she had a, a program. She was really young. She was real, just a go-getter, just an amazing girl. She um, had already created a coaching program that she was putting um, inner-city kids through, girls mostly, um, called The Elements of Success, and it was working really great within Vancouver because that's where she lived and that's where I went to school in Canada. And, um, and so she was on her way to Africa after whatever module we were in. And, um, I just said, Hey, can we have five minutes to talk? I really want to be able to work with you and support you. I don't know how, uh, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm putting it out there to the universe. And she said, yeah, great. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, and so then we connected, I guess maybe a year or so later, she came to Seattle where I lived and we kind of had a brainstorming session. Um, about how we might work together. And then she came to San Diego and she was like, okay, this is what I'm struggling with right now. I work with girls in the Western world. And then if I go somewhere foreign, people throw money at that project because it's either sexier or something. Girls are in greater need in the developing world than they are here. And she goes, and it's not true. Girls in the United States or or in Canada are struggling just as much. It just looks a little different. And we're a nerd to it. We have our eyes close to it because it's our normal. You know, a girl wearing a burqa and having no education seems so egregious to us, but a girl here who's suffering from eating disorders or self-harm cutting or all kinds of internal emotional issues, um, we're not seeing that. And it's just as destructive and painful. So, um, so she said, I, we need to figure out how to kind of combine this whole global local thing and how, you know, so people are supporting local girls and girls around the world. So we said, okay, let's make a documentary series about what it's like to be a girl in the world. How can internal leadership skills um, and self-worth, you know, like changing their idea of their value, how does that change their lives and what are they really dealing with and what do they really need from us, from themselves and from their societies? So that's what we did. We set out um, we created like a Kickstarter campaign and raised enough money to go to India, Ireland, and Uganda, or excuse me, Italy, Ireland, and Uganda. She's originally from Italy and my heritage is in Ireland. So we touched base with those two places and then Uganda and worked with girls in all of those places and had that first documentary footage. And then it kind of really turned into us delivering the EOS program, um, as well as filming. So now we've been to Lebanon and Vietnam and Mexico and India and South Africa and all over the world working with girls, filming their experience and teaching them the leadership program. So that's kind of how it started and that's what it is now. Mm, I love it. Oh, it gives me goosebumps. It's such a big, um, such a big quest like that you're setting out to make happen. It's not on a small scale. It's a huge scale. Um, if you could, if you could see anything happen for girls 
Yeah. An overlapping thing you see within girls here and there. What would you like to change in their lives? Gosh, the overlapping thing, even though the circumstances are really different, of course, is internal. And that is how they feel about themselves and their value and really getting in touch with what their own values are versus letting those things be dictated by something outside of them. If they could really start with a solid foundation of who they were based on their values and what was important to them and really appreciate their individuality and, um, you know, if they're different, amazing that they could embrace that. Um, and so I think that's the, the the key is to not have so much sway from the outside affecting who you are instead of being really sure of who you are from the beginning. I think that would be a, one thing that would be amazingly shifting for their lives. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The girls that you have spoken with in, let's say, um, ooh, I want to ask Vietnam mm-hmm. because I, I, I got back from Vietnam recently and cool. I, I love it. Um, what concerns did most of those girls have in their lives? Gosh. Yeah, Vietnam is is an interesting culture. So we worked with the UN school. And in that school, there was, I think, 67 different countries that were going to school there. So we got to work with girls from all over the world right there in that one place. Um, But then we worked with an organization called Blue Dragon that helps kids off the street who have been generally, you know, sexually trafficked or, you know, something like that, or poverty stricken girls from the countryside. So that was the demographic. Those are the two demographics that we got to work with. So I'm not going to say in general, but from who we got to work with, um, I would say uh, the Vietnamese girls just wanted a little bit of exposure and to, they were really hungry to experience <clears throat> what was outside of their little bubble and their expectations. Um, they were really interested. Sometimes we do, you know, some physical exercises in our stuff. We brought in a little yoga and meditation, and they were really fascinated by that and asked us a lot of questions about it, um, even though they're Buddhists. And so you would think they would have a strong sort of spiritual religious connection with meditation, but they really didn't. Um, and that was interesting to me in Vietnam that they were Buddhists, but they were a very different kind of Buddhism than I've seen anywhere else. They they didn't really practice it in the ways that you would expect. Um, yeah, I feel like they were just really hungry for exposure and knowledge to what was outside of their little boxes. And what city was it in in Vietnam? We went to Hanoi. Oh, okay. I did not go there, but I hear wonderful things about it. Mm, yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. We were there for a good two and a half weeks. Yeah, it was a long time. If people find themselves hearing this and being like, I want to get involved, what would you recommend that they do? Gosh, there's lots of ways. We have campaigns going on global giving um, under global sorority. So you can check that out there. And there's lots of different ways to support the work that we're doing currently. Um, I think Moving into the future, what we would really love to do is to build an online platform so all the girls from all over the world who've already gone through the program um, can come together in one place for more trainings, more mentorship, connect with each other, share their stories, that kind of thing. Um, and right now, we don't have that up and running. So if you're a tech genius who would love to help us <laughs> create an online platform, get in touch with me. would love that. Um, or just any other way that you feel like you'd love to support that. Um as far as actually teaching the U.S. program, there is a train the trainer for that. If that's something that you'd be interested in taking on, um, we ask that you have a coaching background, teaching background, therapy background, something. Because when you're teaching this material to the girls, there's a lot of cracking open that happens. And if you're not trained to kind of handle the fallout, mm-hmm. um, it can get kind of hairy. So not just anybody can teach it, but um, certainly if you have a background in working with youth, then that could be something that you could do. There's just lots of ways. You just have to kind of reach out and let us know what it is that you love doing and what your specialty is. And then uh, we would try to find a match for you there. Very cool. I'm I'm interested. I mean, I feel like Ooh. that would be fantastic to do. I would love to get involved with that. Um, awesome. Just hearing you talk about it. But switching gears a little bit, I know you're so passionate about sisterhood. Obviously, you have great background and reaching out to girls and your experiences. 
if I were to ask you, what are three ingredients for finding your tribe? What would you say? Because I know there's a lot that goes into finding people you really resonate with, especially in a world where there is competition with women. Um, how do you find your right tribe, a supportive tribe, a loving tribe that you can share with? What are a few ingredients that you would say create that good connection? Yeah, good question. So I would start off with being clear and clean in your own desires and energy. So what is it that I really want? What is, what is it that I want support around? How is it that I want to feel? Um, what kind of relationships do I want? Am I trying to start this business that's out of the box and I want business-minded people who understand what I'm trying to do? Do I, am I a mom who needs to connect with other moms? Am I, you know, so what are, what do you need support around? Who do you want those people to be and how do you want to feel? So getting really clear on that. Um, I think is a good first step. And as far as that competition thing goes and the comparing thing and those things that get in our way of true sistership, um, I think just check in with yourself. Um, make sure that you're entering the room from a really clean space of not doing that and you're going to be in a good place to kind of, kind of clean your own lens and filter. And I think, you know, a lot of how I went into relationships with women, not seeing it and not feeling it, the competition and the comparison and all that is I just didn't go there. I refused to be a part of that. And so if someone was trying to be that way or they were feeling that way, I just was not reflecting that back to them. I just wouldn't go there. And so you can do that. And it really changes the energy for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I think that is a good start, getting clear on what it is that you want to connect with, who you want to connect with and um, cleaning your own energy up. And uh, a second one would be um, if, it, if you really can't find that community locally, um, depending on what you're into, because some people are into things that are kind of far out for maybe small world communities. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to really find your tribe that's local. And that is the wonderful thing about the Internet. Not saying that it's, you know, a stand in for human connection, but you really can find anything anyone interested in every kind of thing in the world um, online. And um, and another thing, another way that I've always met people that I absolutely love and adore and connect with is by going to things um, that I'm interested in, whether that be a talk or a workshop or a retreat or something like that, where I know everyone's going to be open and vulnerable and sharing who they really are. And they're probably going to be like-minded in some way because we're there at the same thing that's important to us. And so that's another great way um, in my own life that I've really connected with some of my deepest sisters is through those kinds of, um, you know, events or retreats or something like that. It's a great place to meet people who are your tribe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. And I think it is so important to make that a priority in your life. Um, for me growing up, I always had this story that I carried along with myself that I'm the girl that doesn't have many girlfriends, but lots of guy friends. And mm -hmm. that's a story I find present in a lot of women because they are scared of that competition and stinginess that comes along with female relationships, let's say, starting in high school. And that is a story. That's something that needs to break. And I think people who don't make friendships a priority are missing out on that beautiful thing that you can only get from a strong sisterhood. And it does require making it a priority to go find and create friends and putting yourself out there. And that's something that I have a lot of my clients do is make friendships a priority because it's really, it's really quite underrated. I think, I think friendships are, are so valuable, and important. And if you've gone a lot of your life having only guy friends or having the story that you're not the girl that has tons of girlfriends, you're telling yourself something that might not really be true for you anymore. It might've been true back then all the way in high school or in college or whatever, but you have grown. And I think it is important to give those friendships another chance and to put them as a priority in your life to develop them. Yeah, that's a beautiful, um, beautiful advice. And I think that's true of a lot of things. Those stories that we carry around might not be true for you now. <laughs> you know, they were true for you once and something about it was serving you or working for you. But to reevaluate our stories, whether that be around sisterhood or friendship or how we can't relate to women or whatever it might be, 
um, and really just look at that again and be like, okay, what if that wasn't true now? You know, and to to find women, I think you and I had talked about this before about vulnerability, um, choosing with care who you're choosing to be vulnerable with. And true sisterhood friendships are really based on two people being really vulnerable with each other. And if the people who are around you or your friends that you have had or the relationships you have had with women haven't allowed you to be vulnerable and safe, then it is certainly time to let go of those old relationships and find new ones that you can be in that kind of community with and create a real bond, a real friendship. Exactly. And I think that's hard. It's hard for people to be like, Oh, none of these friendships are really working for me, but I'm going to be a complete a-hole by just dumping everybody. But sometimes we just need to move on and you can move on with love. You don't have to move on with judgment or anger or any of those things, you know, just letting people go sometimes with love is the best thing. Totally. I think letting go of the people who no longer resonate in your life is super important. And I've had to do that a lot in my life. And I'm sure you have as well as we evolve, as we grow. Um, we, I, I I guess some of our relationships are completed. They complete. They're not like you're quitting them. It's not that you necessarily, outgrow them. It's just that they are complete as they are. And there's nothing more that either of you can really gain from it. And there's no shame in that at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful way of looking at relationships actually, I think. So you have something called the Epic Manifesto. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah. The Epic Manifesto is really, really fun. Um, I started doing the work on a smaller scale with just my clients and then I decided to kind of put it out there to the public um, last two years ago. Um, and so I put it out there just thinking, okay, whatever. And 400 people signed up for it. I was like, oh gosh, okay. So I really had to make it like a big, large group program that was taught online. That was, it still turned out really productive and really fun. And what it is, is a four week program. It's like uh, four calls over the space of a month and stuff in between. But the beginning, you basically delve into your values. So you could use this, um, whether you were starting a business or you could create a family manifesto or you could create a mom manifesto or whatever you're working on, whatever's coming up in your life, you could literally create a manifesto around it. Um, and it's getting really clear on your values around that thing. What do I stand for? What do I believe in? What's really important to me? So we go through all these processes of finding out what your personal values are, finding that golden thread of purpose. So do we just have one purpose in life or do we have lots of different purposes? And how do we find that thread, that value thread that kind of ties through all of those things? And so then we take that into creativity. And then we talk a lot about being, you know, creativity and feminine creativity, um, and we start to put all these value words that we've created and all this knowledge about ourselves and what's important to us and start to actually create the manifesto. And so I give lots of creative ways that you can do that. Some people just choose to write it out. Um, the last one I did, I made a sculpture and I put my manifesto on the sculpture. <laughs> um, I do it with everyone. I'm there uh, live and we kind of go through the project, everyone together. So I do it too. And... Um, yeah, so everyone just gets really clear. They get a lot of clarity. They start manifesting things as they're making their manifesto because they're getting so clear and getting themselves in alignment with what it is that they want and what they believe. And so little miracles start happening in their lives just over that four-week period, which is really cool. Um, the group is always really fun. Like-minded women really come together. So I get a lot of women who create strong bonds and relationships and friendships within that program, which is really nice to see. And, um, and yeah, and then everyone kind of creates their manifesto however they want to do it. There's no limitations. You don't have to be a writer or an artist or anything. You can create what you create. And then we have a reveal party at the end where everyone kind of shares their manifesto and talks about it. And I post all the pictures. They send me their pictures and we post them online. And, uh, yeah, so that's it. It's just creative. It's fun. And it's a deep dive into your values and what you're going to be manifesting, um, in your life. Oh, it's awesome. I love it. And I'm all about manifestation. That's something I've been talking about so much on the show and in my work because manifestation is life. <laughs> I love <laughs> it so much. And it's it, this, I feel that this program is coming at the perfect time with uh, the new year, the start of fresh ideas. And it's not resolutions, it's manifestation. And it's the energy you want to have and the values and what 
is now going to ring true moving forward in your life, especially for people who are holding on to limiting beliefs. So I believe you have one more week left for people to sign up for that with um, the date that this episode releases. So I will make sure that I have a link to the Epic Manifesto on the show notes for this. And this is episode 132, which will be found at maddiemoon.com slash Tia-Kelly, or you can just go to my site and you'll see it right there. So everyone go check that out. Make sure you click on that, read all about it. And if you feel called to have this manifesto in your life and get clear on your goals, I feel that this would be the perfect thing to uh, get started with for the new year. Yes. And, and Maddie's been super gracious and, uh, generous. She's gifting it to you. So yay, Maddie, thank you for doing that. So yeah, anybody who wants to do it can just sign up and it's on Maddie. Perfect. (laughs) Yep. I'm so excited to be offering that. So, and thank you for, for coming on for the show, but I do have a quick fire round for you if you're up for it. Sure. Okay, cool. Number one is three words to describe you. Oh gosh. Three words to describe me. I would say funny, <laughs> um, caring, and calm. I tend to put everyone at ease and feel really calm around me. So, I can, I can feel that. I get okay. that. <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world besides where you currently live, where would you live? Oh, yeah, yeah. I would say, well, I say that New Zealand is my soul's home, even though I've never been there. <laughs> Which is hilarious. I have been to Australia and in and around that area, but I don't know. I think maybe Australia or New Zealand. Oh, I love it. What did you eat for breakfast? I had some kind of um, high fiber, sugar free cereal. Nom. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> with, oh, with um, uh, soy milk. I'm actually I live. I have a plant based diet. I don't really. I eat some fish sometimes, but I mostly just eat all plant based diet. So yes, soy, soy milk with that. <laughs> oh, awesome. What's your morning routine look like? You know, I am a non-routine kind of person and I don't recommend this for anyone. <laughs> this, is not, this is not a recommendation, but growing up just like all over the place, all these different countries, dinner was never the same time. I'm just not a structured routine person at all. Um, so I tend to have a little bit of a loosey goosey routine in the morning, but in general, I wake up, I, um, you know, kind of just lay there for a while and connect and how do I want to feel for the day and what am I creating? Um, I check my email. I kind of mess around with my dogs, let them out, take them for a walk, do whatever. I was going running um, every morning up until pregnancy sickness situation. So I would go running. That would be part of my day. And then I would come home and I'd really start digging into work. So around 10 is when I really start to just sit down and get serious about my work. But that's kind of how my morning goes. That's good. I, I, I like that. Yeah, it's not, it's not too bad. I wouldn't, I mean, I always recommend some kind of structure and definitely really kind of sticking to a routine helps people with their lives for sure. So I'm working on it, but I'm not the best routine human being. (laughs) I like having a a toolbox of things and then I kind of pick the own, the order that I want to have them in. So like I have all the options for my morning. Like I know I like to do either meditation or gratitude journaling or this or that or reading my fiction book or reading a self-help book. Like I have a whole bunch of things I can do. And then depending on what I feel, I'll just arrange them in the order I want or pick like three things to do. But I know there's like 10 things that I could do and I'll pick three mm-hmm. things and, and it changes. But as long as I have that toolbox of different ways to start my day, it typically ends with the same energy. Very cool. And I also, I have to say, maybe a little shout out. I have this um, journal called the Self Journal, and it's kind of a really good mix of structuring your day and bringing in a little bit of spirituality at the same time. And that has been really good for me. So I sit down and it kind of has you break down your goals a little bit. Like, so what are the things you really want to accomplish today? And if you were to do those, what are the three action steps that you really need to do first to make those things happen? And it makes you really dig in and break it down. So you're chunking down and you're getting a little specific with what exactly you need to do to make that happen. And then it kind of asks you to reflect on the day and then it has a little gratitude section. And it's really cool. So I use that as well to kind of keep me on track. Oh, cool. Do you make that? I don't. It's um, it's from a company and I, I can't remember the name. Self Journal is what it's called. Self-journal. though. You just Google it. Yeah, it's really it, cool. It reminds me of the journal I have. It's called the Five Minute Journal, which is very similar. It, um right beside me it has like a date a quote and then you write three things you're grateful for three things that would make today great a daily affirmation and then at night you write 
three amazing things that happened and then how you could have made the day better. Oh, that's cool. I like that too. Yeah. Both yeah. good things. So we'll have the links to those on the show notes. Cool. Um, what's the most exciting thing? I think I know, but what's the most exciting thing in your life right now? <laughs> the most exciting thing in my life right now. I actually, I'm a flatliner. People laugh at this, but I don't get excited. <laughs> really? And no, I just, I don't know what it is. Maybe I live such a life of extreme excitement that everything is just kind of like normal. I don't but I don't really get super excited about things. I just kind of roll into them and accept each thing that's coming at a time. So, but yes, I'm having a baby and that's, you know, our first child at 40. So that's exciting. But yeah, I don't, I don't really get super excited about things. I just kind of roll into them. <laughs> does that mean that you don't get super upset slash sad yeah. about things as yes, well? Yes, it does mean that. Yeah, I kind of really manage my emotions and not on purpose. I just really, um, um, what's the word? I, I just really think and feel into things and just take them gradually and not get all blah, blah, blah one way mm. or the other. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Interesting. Really cool. I think that probably contributes to the calm nature you have then. Yeah, probably. Um, three people you'd like to invite to your perfect dinner party. Oh, Okay, so um, Tara Moore, I've not met her in person, so I'd love to have her for dinner. Um, Barack Obama, or maybe Michelle Obama. Um, And who else? Perfect dinner party. Hmm. Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know about the third. I'm going to have to think about that one. Actually, people always get stumped on these, like, who's your hero and things like that, and I really don't. I really don't have them. They tend to be just normal people. Okay, you can have <laughs> a normal life. person. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That is, that is a good one. Um, and I love dinner parties. So somebody, somebody probably interesting and well traveled, and someone who's serving the world. I always get really inspired by people who have sacrificed a lot to serve others. Mm. You should check out. Um, there's a guy. There's a guy version of you. Oh. <laughs> his, his name is BC Serna. And if you don't know who he is, you probably really resonate with him. He's doing awesome things. He's, I think he's my age, mid twenties, but he travels all around constantly. He has a organization called journey three, 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 and he invites people on these trips to like help build schools. And he's always making these cool videos with, um, the, children that he meets in Africa and Mexico, wherever he's going. But, uh, BC Cerna's Instagram is really cool. He lives in Denver and I keep meaning to meet up with him. We keep trying, but it keeps falling through one of these days. We should have him for dinner. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, you probably really like to have him for dinner. So there you go. If love tasted like a flavor, what would it be? Something light and fluffy and soft. Something whipped creamy, probably, with maybe mm. some fruit. Strawberries and whipped cream. I love it. I do not agree. I mean, I, I mean, I do not disagree with that. Okay. I don't agree. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I wish you would have said that. I would have been like, tell me more. I, I don't agree. Uh, agree to disagree. Just kidding. I agree. Totally. Um, if, you, um, if you had a movie about your life, who would play you? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Tough question, I know. It is. Who would play me? Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Good luck, lady. Um, <laughs> I feel sorry for her already. Um, probably, I don't know, people, it's really, this is a funny question because I get stopped maybe a little bit more in the past, but on a regular basis, maybe two or three times a week, and people think they know me. Oh my gosh, Jennifer or Sarah or whoever. I'm like, nope. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, nope. <laughs> yes, it is you. Trust me. I know you yeah, more than you know you. Like, you know, and I'm just like, we went to school together. I'm like, definitely not. Um, and so that used to happen to me all the time. And people would think that I was famous as well. They'd be like, oh, you're that one famous lady. And I was just like, this is hilarious. I have no idea who people always think I am, but <laughs> apparently I have this Morpheus face that looks like a famous person. But, um, I don't, I honestly, like Taya Leone or I don't know some of I've gotten all kinds of different people thinking I look like different people but um I don't know I'm striking out on these questions I don't know who do you think would play me well I actually I thought of um my first thought was 
um, what's her name? Roberts, Julia Roberts. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that cause I kind of get like a eat, pray, love vibe from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking of her, but I, I almost agree with what they say. I, when I see your picture at you, you feel like someone I know, but I don't have anyone that looks like you. It's like a weird mm-hmm. feeling almost like you just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I don't know anyone that looks like you. I don't think, but maybe I, I do. I don't know. Interesting. Right. It is. <laughs> Last question. Okay. What's a must-read book? Oh my gosh. Um, well, Playing Big by Tara Moore is a great book. Anything by Brene Brown is worth reading. Um, Victor Frankl's The Meaning of Life is an amazing book for just kind of shifting your mindset about things. Um, the Four Agreements, I love that book. Uh, there's so many books. I actually love reading and I used to love reading fiction as a child. I would read a lot. We weren't allowed to watch TV. So I was always reading or doing art of some kind or being in nature. But, um, yeah, I don't read half as much as I used to thanks to the internet or I don't know what, but, and anything that I do read is always some kind of like either coaching book for work or, you know, self mastery, self-help, like something Mm -hmm. along those lines, or I really don't sit around just reading fiction for fun, which is sad, but I I wish I did, but I really don't have time, or that's maybe a story I'm telling myself, but everything that I read is generally in the kind of coachy self-improvement world. Awesome. Well, I love that. (laughs) Those are great books. We'll make sure we have the links to those in the show notes for this as well. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, Tia, so much for coming on to the show and for letting my listeners sign up for the Epic Manifesto. I'm oh, sure yeah, it's going to lead, lead to so many different realizations for them. So thank you for that. And I just, I, I love your energy and your calmness. And I know there's so much to continue learning from you. So I'll be sure to keep up with all of your awesome work. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. It was lovely to be here. Everyone, head on over to the show notes for this episode 132. So many good links to check out. And I will see you guys in another week for another episode. Thanks for listening.